0: All right. hey, good morning everybody. It's good to see you guys. Let's uh, make our way back to our seats and we're going to get into the Word today. Everybody okay? Everybody well? All 10,000 of you, in case you're listening online? (laughs) Oh, wow. Listen, let me invite you to open up your Word to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at... Chapter 2 and chapter 3 shortly. That's where we'll hang out mostly in Colossians today. I know we just did, we actually did a series on this entire book over the course of July, and uh, the Lord's just kind of been stirring my heart to go back to it again on some other things as well. Um, We're starting, actually starting a new series today that's called Bloom Where You're Planted. Bloom Where You're Planted. And we're going to talk about what that is and about how. where where God has us in life right now is to be determined that you're going to just give yourself to the Lord wherever you are at, whatever circumstances going on, and whatever environment you may be in, is to give yourself to the Lord in that and allow Him to then foster and develop and bloom Himself in you and in so doing, growing spiritually in Christ. There's, There's a reason behind things that we go through and the Lord knows what he needs to accomplish. So let's look at something here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 7. It says, and now, this is the uh, uh, letter that Paul wrote uh, to the believers in Colossae, verse 6 and 7. He says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Can you say continue? It says, let your roots grow down into him, let your lives be built on him, and then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. That's a thing that I'm hoping will carry on in my life that I will overflow with thankfulness and not be negative, Nancy, sometimes. If your name's Nancy, no, not talking about you, okay? Uh, chapter 3, verse 24. 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 23 tells us, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord, rather than for people. And remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. That we get rewarded as we are faithful where God is plants us. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your presence. We are so thankful for what your presence brings to our lives. It brings change. It brings tranquility. It brings peace. It brings power. It brings healing. It brings forgiveness. It brings reassurance of so many things. And Lord, some of us here today need a little extra reassurance of your love, and your mercy. Others need reassurance, God, of just your truth, that it stands the test of time and it endures through all generations and through all circumstances. Lord, we, we love you and we are thankful for you. And as we open your word, I pray that we would connect with you in a very special way today and we would grow in our faith. We would grow in our understanding. We would grow in you and ask you to help me, Lord, to bring forth your words now in Jesus' name. And you can say amen. 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 I don't know about you or your, maybe your kids, but it, it, my, my three girls, uh, anytime we get bit by a mosquito, uh, that little bump swells. And for some reason, I, my, my, my crew, we have a horrible reaction to mosquito bites. And if we don't get medicine on it quick enough, those things get, they, blo- they bloom, they get big and uh, like big big knots and um, but the thing about mosquito bites or a bug bite is the temptation is to what? scratch it right because it itches right we want to scratch that itch and if you know anything about doing that if you scratch that a lot it can get worse right you know that life is like that we get itches And we want to scratch them, or we also want to find something that will scratch that itch. Today I want to preach a message in this series of Bloom Where You're Planted called Don't Scratch the Itch. Don't Scratch the Itch. The question is this, can we resist the urge to scratch the itch and to uproot, to look for greener grass and shinier bling somewhere else? Think about where you're at in life. Think about your situations, your family, your relationships, your school where you're at, your job where you're at, the church you're in, the place of life you're in. Too often, I think, we don't give God enough time to work in us in a situation without us wanting to scratch the itch and get up and move on. We don't always want to have to go through dealing with it or processing through it and allowing the Lord to work some things out on our behalf and even inside of us. Because, see, the goal in our faith with Christ is that we would grow in Christ right where we are, regardless of the circumstances that we may find ourselves in. Because oftentimes God will use those circumstances to actually do something good in our life and to bring about His glorious purpose for us. You know, I've actually I've been guilty of... Too many times trying to look around the corner of life and and just hoping and kind of expecting that maybe something bigger, something shinier will appear and change my life as opposed to just appreciating where I'm at in that moment. The Lord has really been kind of getting after me here lately about slowing down to be present in the moment because I can get... I can often, and maybe some of you can relate, we, we can get so many things going that we can't focus on what's right in front of us because we're too busy trying to see around the corner. We're just nosy. That's just how we are as people. We're just we just a bunch of nosy people. We, we want to know what's up there, right? We want to know what's ahead. And, and, and it, it, we're, we can all be guilty of that sometimes. You know, there are certain things in life that we get because God saw fit to leave us where we were at instead of allowing us to go where we wanted to be. Take, for instance, Paul. Paul wrote this letter to the believers in in Colossae. He also wrote some other letters um, from from a place in life uh, where he didn't want to be. He wrote it from prison. Paul wrote this letter to, to the Colossians in prison in Rome. He also wrote uh, Ephesians, he wrote Philippians, he wrote Second Timothy, he wrote Philemon from a prison cell in Rome. Now think about that. Paul was forced to be in a place he didn't want to be, but God used the place where Paul was forced to be for good. Because think about it, if Paul was not forced to stay put, perhaps Paul might not have taken the time to write these letters. We wouldn't have gotten Ephesians that tell us about the spiritual armor of God, how to clothe ourselves that way. We wouldn't have gotten some other things out of like Philippians that tell us, hey, fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Finish the race you're in. We wouldn't have gotten these stories and we wouldn't have gotten this instruction. We wouldn't have gotten this truth had Paul chosen and been allowed to go somewhere he wanted to go. Because think about it. Paul was an apostle. He had lots of churches. The church in Colossae he'd never been to, but he'd heard about. But think about it, Paul perhaps, imagine with me, he wanted to travel and he wanted to go check on these churches and he wanted to check on the people he was responsible for, but instead of being able to do what he wanted to do, Paul was put in prison. And God used that time in prison for Paul to pen these letters, these epistles to believers and uh, allowing us to know them today is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I think more—not uh, always, but more often than not—God calls us to learn the long, hard walk of obedience in the same direction, without changing paths, so that we can learn to just be, so that we can learn to bloom where we are planted. Because we want to scratch the itch and we want to move, we want to get going, we want to be somewhere, we want to be about it. And let's look at this here in Colossians one as he opens up this letter. We're just going to look at the first uh, few verses here. Paul writes in, in Colossians 1, he opens up and he says, "Hey, we, we always pray for you, and we give thanks to God for you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." He says, "We have prayed of your uh, excuse me, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth." Of the good news. Paul starting out his letter to a bunch of people he had never been to, but about a bunch of people he had heard about. And he was letting them know hey, right where you are, I have heard about your faith in Jesus and about your love for God's people everywhere. He said, Well, I love what I'm hearing about you. And you know, that's a prayer that I would love to, uh, that, that I pray for us that people will hear about our faith. That people can say, you know, I've heard of your faith. The folks that are in New Life Church, man, they are legit. They are for real. They love Jesus, and they're not afraid to show it. And they demonstrate that, and it's evident in their love for other people. Come on, what a testament to have, right? What a testament to have about a church. Is that, hey, oh yeah, you, we really do love God, and we really do love people. And Paul said, look, I've heard about it. I've heard about it. I love what I'm hearing, and it's amazing. Right where you are in Colossae. And then he goes on, he says, but this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. He said in verse 7, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant. And he is helping us on your behalf. And he has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So Paul, echoing, hey, look, I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your love in Christ. But just so you know, what God's doing right where you are, he's also doing in other places. He's also doing this in other parts of the world. Just as he is changing your life, he is also changing other people's lives. But just so you know, I don't want you to scratch the itch and think you got to go somewhere else to get what God wants to do with you right where you are. He said, because Epaphras has been telling me about you. He's been telling me all about what God's doing in your life and how he's changed your, your situation and changed your relationships and changed your heart and how he's doing these things in you. He said, but just so you know, it's also happening everywhere else, but right where you are, right where you live, this needs to keep happening. You don't need to abandon where you're at. You don't need to uproot where you are. You don't need to pull out and go somewhere else just to get something of the Lord because God wants to work where you are right here. Think about it, if you didn't, if you didn't stay, if the, if the church didn't stay put, then Colossae could not be transformed for Jesus. In other words, God needs you to stay planted so that you can bloom right where you are. And he goes on, he goes, look, I've been praying for you and we keep praying for you. Look at verse 9, he says, we haven't stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. And look at what he prays. He says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will." Sign me up. I said, I've never met you, I've never been there, but I've heard you're blooming where you're planted and what's going on. More needs to keep happening. He said, So I'm praying that you won't scratch the itch, but you will have complete knowledge of God's will right where you are. And to give you a spirit, give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Anybody say amen to that? Anybody need some spiritual wisdom and some understanding? I know I don't want to walk through life just kind of being dumb. I want to have the inside of the Holy Spirit in my life. Amen. Then the way you live, he says, will always honor and please the Lord. How about that? says that your lives will produce every kind of good fruit, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need so you may be filled with joy. Paul, expounding on his knowledge of what God's doing there in Colossae with the believers, And he's telling them, look, I'm praying all of these things. We are praying all of these these things for you because Colossae needs what you have. Church, Jackson, Madison County, where you live, needs what you have. This city needs our church. Just like this city needs other churches for all of us to be on target and on point with what God wants to do with each one of us so that we would know His will so we'd have understanding and wisdom, so that our lives will be productive for the Lord, so that our lives will honor and please God as we live, so that we will be strengthened with God's power to be enduring and patient and full of joy. I dare say this community needs to see that happening, and it needs to see that happening out of us. Amen needs to see that happening in each and every one of our lives. And so Paul is saying, look, don't scratch the itch. Resist the urge to go somewhere else. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm talking about life transformation, period, in whatever place of life you're in. Whatever place of life you're in. Because the temptation that this world... uh, dangles in front of us these days is that if you don't like it, then just go somewhere else. If you're not happy in that marriage, why don't you just go find somebody else to make you happy? Right? If you don't like that job, well, curse them out and just leave. I mean, who cares about really being a good employee? Who really cares about being faithful in a time of Difficulty in a marriage, right? I mean, nobody cares about that stuff. At least that's the deception of the enemy in our life. Whatever happened to just staying put and praying, Lord, whatever, you want to work out in me, work it out in me. Have your way in me. Let perfect completion of your will be accomplished in my life right now where you have me. Just because we might get better offers, just because something else looks prettier, something else looks more intoxicating, something else looks more enjoyable, doesn't always mean we should go for it. Even if you have the means to obtain it, doesn't always mean you should go after it. Whatever happened to just praying, Lord, whatever your will is, because let's remember, we're Christians. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're not, we, we're not supposed to, even though we do. My hand is raised, too. We're not supposed to live by our emotions. We're not supposed to live by our carnal side of thinking. We are called to live being filled by the Holy Spirit. And so more often than not, God calls us to learn that long, hard walk of obedience in the same direction so that, man, we can actually bloom and be who God intended us to be right where he wanted us, right where he has us, right where he put us. You know, but there are, there are things in, in our, that happen in life that, that try to discourage us from doing that. There are things that that, that happen that try to keep us from blooming where God has us planted. You know, God really wants us to bloom in our tithing so that we can trust him more. God wants us to bloom in our serving so that we can be less selfish. God wants us to bloom in praying, not to be religious, but to be in relationship with him and to pray for other people. If you ever ask somebody to pray for you, Stop and think about how many times did you pray for somebody else. If you don't pray, spend time praying for somebody else, there's a good chance a whole lot of people aren't going to take the time to pray for you. Remember how it works. Sowing and reaping, universal kingdom law of dynamics. Whatever we sow, that is also what we will reap. Bible reading. God wants us to blossom in our Bible reading. He wants us to understand more of His truth. Not just for head knowledge. Man, so that it can do something in our heart. So that it can change us. So that it can transform us. So that it can make us into more like Christ here on earth. God wants us to blossom in our worship together as a church. God wants us to blossom in our discipleship as a community. By the way, plug, community life groups happen tonight. You can get information at your seats, also at the connect table. God wants us to bloom right where we are without always having to scratch the itch to look for it somewhere else. Because let's just get honest about life. The grass really isn't always greener on the other side. It just so happens to be that they cultivated it, and maybe we didn't. So, thank you for the claps or not for me. It just means God's word is what it needs to be. So I want to talk about in my last few minutes of today. Everybody okay? Yeah. All right. I want to talk about a person that um, I, I don't know. That ever really gets talked about, at least anything I've heard in a while. We're going to talk about Mary Magdalene. anybody remember Mary Magdalene out of the Bible? We're going to look at an instance in her life, a snapshot in her life, out of Mark chapter sixteen. Out of Mark chapter sixteen, and we're looking. We're going to look at identify a few things from her story that we can relate to today. That. Um, that are things that try to discourage us from blooming right where God has us planted. And I've chosen the Passion Translation for this part of the story. So we're going to look at there are stones in our present, there are surprises in our path, there are stains in our past, all things that try to discourage us from blooming where we are. Let's look at the first one. Stones in our present. Mark 16, verse 1 it says, on the first day of the week, as the Sabbath was ending, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, or Jacob, and Salome, they made their way to the tomb setting, in case you haven't heard it, it's the resurrection time of Christ. He had died on the cross, was approaching that third day, and everything was about to really, really change. Says so it was very early in the morning as the first streaks of light were beginning to be seen in the sky. They purchased some aromatic balming spices so they might anoint his body. And as they had, been, and they had been asking one another, on the way, they asked, who can roll away the heavy stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But when they arrived, they discovered that the very large stone that had sealed the tomb was already rolled away. So here they are, doing what they were just supposed to do, what they thought was the right thing to do, Jesus had died on the cross. He was put in a tomb. And they were just going to go and anoint his body for death. They had forgotten, maybe, or didn't think, okay, he really is capable of rising from the dead. I I don't don't know exactly what was going through their minds. But that's where they were at. And it said on the way, they were talking. They were asking, hey, they were concerned. There's this heavy stone... It's blocking the entrance, and we need to get in. And they were talking amongst themselves, and they were very concerned, and they were asking who can take care of this heavy stone. And then they got there. Said so As they arrived, they discovered the stone was already rolled away, and it was really not a problem. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. Think about what, what's going on here. Here they are on the way. The topic of their conversation was not everything that had just happened. It was about a stone in their present life. Lots of stuff happened around this weekend, but they were more concerned about a stone that was preventing them from entering into the tomb to do what they came to do. And so on the way, they were concerned. As they arrived, they discovered. I wonder how many times you and I have not arrived to new seasons in faith because we didn't keep going on the way. We allowed ourselves to get so caught up with the stones of life that it stopped us from moving forward. That we know in our mind there's this heaviness, there's this burden, there is too many things to juggle. Why bother? Why bother? I put one down, I pick two up. I put two down, I pick four up. It just seems like life gets that way sometimes, and the the more we try, the heavier life gets sometimes. And we begin to get so concerned with the stones in our present life that perhaps we stop and we don't arrive to discover, huh, God really does move stones. God really cares about these heavy things that I carry in my life. God really does care about these burdens on my shoulders, about the heaviness in my soul. You ever been so tired that it wasn't a good night's sleep that would suffice? You ever been so, so, so tired in your soul that sleeping 12 hours didn't do it? You knew you needed a greater satisfaction. You knew you needed something more than my pillow guy to help you out. You needed rest inside from carrying the heaviness around. And these ladies... They discovered that the stone had been moved as they arrived. And friends, I want to encourage you today that if we will just be determined to keep going, if we will just be determined to keep going, we will recognize that God cares for us and He will move our stones. But I wonder how many times we didn't see him move a stone because we stopped moving forward. We allowed the stone to become greater than our God who moves the stones. Will you trust God with your heavy stones? Because heavy stones in life, as life gets, it's one of the things that tries to discourage us from blooming. Man, right here where I'm at. Right here, where I'm at. There's another one. It's called The Surprises in Our Path. Look at verse 5. It says, As they stepped into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, dressed in a long, white robe. The women were startled and amazed. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I know you're here looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. But he isn't here. He has risen victoriously. "'Look,' he said, "'see the places where they laid him. "'Run and tell his disciples, even Peter, that he is risen. "'He has gone ahead of you into Galilee, "'and you will see him there just like he told you.'" it says, "'They staggered out of the tomb, "'all struck and with their minds swirling. "'They ran to go tell the disciples, "'but they were so afraid and deep in wonder "'that they said nothing to anyone.'" you ever said to yourself, man, this is not what I expected? Maybe something close to that. You're in the middle of life, you're in the middle of work, you're in the middle of family, you're in the middle of situation, you're just in the middle of going, and you're like, man, surprise, this is not what I expected. Two things can happen when we're surprised. It can scare us to retreat, or it can stir us to advance. Because let's face it, all of us get afraid at some point in time. There is something that will try to just cause fear to pulsate throughout our, our body. There is something that will, that will try to captivate us and, and make us afraid and fearful and to the point of we either retreat or we take that Trust the Lord, and it causes us to be stirred to move forward and advance. Well, here they are. They went to do something. The stone, they discovered, had been taken away. So they go in. Boom, man, they are freaked out because there's an angel. Jesus' body is not there. And they have this short conversation. And they're so taken back by this surprise in their path that they're like, oh, what? what is going on right now? What do I do With what I am experiencing. They were scared from this surprise. You know the thing is. Following God and being faithful to him. Doesn't eliminate surprises. In our life. Following God. And being faithful to him. Does not eliminate surprises in our life. I wish. It would have been written differently. Just for the sake of our human nature. That we accept the Lord. We're faithful to him. And we are eliminated from ever encountering surprises. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. I don't know how you handle surprises, but I don't always handle surprises very well. Uh, Because I like to control my world too much. That the Lord, I think, sometimes chuckles when He throws a surprise in my path, and He's gonna be, let's see how you do this one, man. Let's see how you handle this this surprise, son. And I'm like, Lord, did you what? Okay, what? not a big deal. So I'm running an errand Friday for our school, and I'm picking up the main course, fried chicken. I get a call at 10:25. That tells me our main road out here is blocked because somebody hit the pole and the sign on the corner, and power lines are all over the road, and they're not sure when they're gonna get that cleared up. And I'm thinking, oh man, I got the food, and I gotta get there, but I got a grandparent coming from out of town, I got another grandparent coming from the north side of town that I gotta try to talk to and help them navigate around this stuff if they're not used to doing that. So, anyway, I'm I go in and get the chicken, get back in the car and and go. I go the back way here, and I pull up, and I realize they're letting people through now, a little after 11 o'clock, about 20 minutes before the meeting starts. And I thought, well, that's good. But now i got to call and let the two know that I already called once and said, hey, you're going to have to do the back road thing, and I may have to help you if you don't understand where you're going. And so I get here, and then, then I catch them ahead of time before they got to where they needed to be in order to come the main way, and, and, and everything worked out just fine. But for a brief minute, Rodney, I got a little upset over having to go the back way. But something reminds me that the, that, uh, the children of Israel had to go the back way. I might have to preach for a minute, Max. I, that Something reminds me that the children of Israel in Exodus 14, when they were freed from, from the bondage of, of Egypt, and, they let, and Pharaoh let... Moses' people go, God's people go. That God, the, the Scripture goes along somewhere along the lines of that God did not lead them through the short way. God led them around the back way. That took longer because had they encountered a battle, they perhaps would have freaked out and not done anything about it. But God took them around the back way in order to begin to build their trust in him and build their confidence in him. And as you know, the story goes, they went years and years and years on this back-and-forth tennis match with God. Who's got the power? Who's got the power? Who's got control? Who can actually do what they said they could do? Sometimes God makes us go the back way, but if we just give into it like I eventually did on Friday... I realized, all is well. And everybody got to eat their fried chicken. (laughs) Now, I know that's like petty to most problems. I get that. That's like, happens though. Surprises in our path. What do we do with them? We all get surprises along our path that try to keep us from blooming right where God has us. So the Lord, one of the things he wanted me to learn is is that, hey, you can plan, but it's really my purpose that's going to prevail anyway. And you just need to give in to what I have and what I want to do, and I'll make things work. I'll make things work. I'll make things work. Friends, I have a hundred ideas on how I could grow the church. I could could implement all 100 of them, and the church would probably go backwards. (laughs) Because ultimately, it's not me who grows this thing. It's God who does this thing. I can pray and I can be there for you and offer help and offer encouragement, but I can't be your Holy Spirit and make you get this thing, just like you can't be my Holy Spirit and make me get this thing with God. We have to understand that we are here to support one another and encourage one another, but ultimately it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life that will cause us to grow. And that's what Paul's getting at. Look, quit scratching the itch and thinking you got to go somewhere else to grow in God. You need to learn to embrace the situation and the season that you're in right now and just let God do all he wants to do with you right where you are. Then there's this other thing that tries to get us discouraged from blooming where we're planted, and that is stains in our past. Verse 9 says, early on the first day of the week, after rising from the dead, Jesus appeared to Mary. That should never get old to us. After rising from the dead, Jesus appeared to a person. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, and he goes on to say, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, I don't know what was going all through Mary's mind. John records a snapshot of their conversation in, I think, around John 20. That elaborates a little bit on their encounter. But I don't know all what was happening in Mary's mind. But here she was, her Lord, who had delivered her from seven demons. Now, one demon's enough, come on. But this girl had seven I don't know the kind of torment she was in. I don't know the kind of emotional state she had been in. I, I don't understand all of the, the captivity that she was bound up in, but she knew. She knew she was once lost, but now she was found. She once was bound, but now she was free. And now the one who did that is no longer around. She's going to just bury him, just going to be a good little person and going to aromatic spice his body, and he's going to die and go on and be on. And my life's going to be okay. I don't know what I'm going to do. But the Lord had bigger plans. Perhaps she was wrestling with who she used to be. Maybe she was starting to feel like, "Well, did he really set me free?" I mean, I know he was telling something like, "Yeah, on the third day I'm going to rise from the dead," but he's nowhere to be found. Did he did those demons really leave my body? Those really leave my soul? Those did those tormenting things really leave me? Do, am I really changed? And John's story goes on and, and and it's just one word Jesus says. He says, Mary. She says her name. Mary. And she turned around and recognized who he was. Friends, if there's anything that can really get us down. And not focus on what God wants to do with us here in our life right now. It's our past. We all have stains from our past. We all have a past. But the Lord is faithful to remove, as far as the east is from the west, our transgressions from us. So they really don't have any power over us unless we give that power over us. Who you used to be is not who you are. And who you are is not everything you're going to be. There's more life ahead of you. There's more living ahead of you. There's more purpose ahead of you. There's more destiny in front of you. There are more experiences with God ahead of you. So don't base now on what was. Don't ever allow the stains of your past to determine the steps of your future. Because we can all wrestle with who we used to be, and we can encounter somebody who used to know us the way we used to be. And they'd be like, "Mm, I know how you used to be (laughs) back in the day. (laughs) Right? But we can't avoid people forever either. What are we supposed to do? Let the life and liberty of the Holy Spirit shine in our life and just live for Jesus the way he intended us to do it. And so here she was dealing with who she used to be, seven Demon. She was at a crossroads in her life. And maybe, just maybe, she just needed a little reassurance that Jesus really did, in fact, deliver her, forgive her, and redeem her. It was just the one-on-one. You see, friends, sometimes we we feel like we gotta get everybody else to pat us on the back and tell us it's going to be okay, but what really needs to happen more than anything is that we need to be one-on-one with Jesus. If you can't be one-on-one with Jesus and you always need 10 or 12 people around you to tell you you're going to be all right, you need to get alone with Jesus. And you need to let yourself be told from Him, you are okay. Because if you can get that, Then you won't be fishing for 12 compliments. Not that those compliments or those words of encouragement don't help, they do, absolutely. I've been in some days where I just needed somebody, Max, just to text me, call me up on their own, and tell me, hey, it's gonna be all right. Did I get that? No. Not that day. what had to happen in here was first I had to hear the voice of the Lord whisper to my devastated soul in the dark of my night tell me tomorrow the sun will shine and you will rise and you're going to be okay and then the next day guess what happened my phone lights up with 12 texts you're going to be all right. I don't know what you're going through but I'm praying for you you see what I'm saying you see where we're going with this we've got to learn dependence on the Lord and not always on people Not that God doesn't use people. has been using people. Don't get me on that rat trail. But the thing is, we've got to have a dependency on the Lord within our own heart. Because if you have that, there's nobody that can take that away. So don't let those stains of the past determine where you're going. I don't know how long I've been going. I got started a whole lot earlier than I'm used to. So I feel like I should quit. But can Lori, can you guys come on back up? And I'll we'll land this thing. Everybody good? Do you know why we get discouraged? You know know why we get discouraged? Because of what God has for us, ahead of us, in front of us. If we never got discouraged, then man, we should be questioning what's out there. Paul, the writer of Colossians, also wrote Philippians. Again, wrote it from the same jail cell. He did not write these letters from the five-star resort balcony, sipping on a latte, or from some cafe au lait in Italy or France, he wrote it from prison. He wrote it from the last place that, man, you would think something like this could come from. But you know what he writes? Before I read what he wrote, I want to zero in on on the moment Mary decided no matter what, right here where I'm at, I'm going to stand firm. And I'm going to be everything the Lord wants me to be. It's verse 10 and 11, Mark 16. It was her stance for her future. Said after she had seen Jesus, she ran to tell the disciples, look at the, where they were at. They were all emotionally devastated and weeping. But excitedly, Mary told them, He's alive, and I've seen him. And even after hearing this, they didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. She was excited. She had seen him. She had had that one-on-one with him. The rest of them didn't believe her. They were left in their emotional devastated place I think Mary got to a place where regardless of how anybody else will respond to what Jesus was doing for her and in her she was going to stand firm and be that free person that the Lord created her to be because come on sometimes some other people just don't get quite as excited about what God's doing in you than the way you are And they can be like, whatever. Or they can be in a really bad place and you tell them about the goodness of God and it doesn't change who they are. What do you do about your own life? Remember that old Run DMC song? Mary, Mary, why you bugging? Some of our 80s will remember that. Mary was like, y'all are bugging, but I'm blooming. Y'all are bugging but I'm blooming. Y'all be bugging, but I'm going to be blooming. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying, Mary said. Y'all, 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 y'all ain't getting this. Y'all be bugging, but I'm going to be blooming. Look, I was devastated too. You don't remember this? Look, just not, not too long ago, I had seven demons in me. How many did you have? Yeah, all seven, gone. All my torment, gone. I didn't have peace of mind. I couldn't sleep, couldn't rest, couldn't be content. All that changed. I've got peace in the midst of a devastation right now. She said, y'all be bugging, but I'm going to be blooming. I'm going to be who I am called to be in Christ. You can follow me. You can get with me. And you can do this thing with me. Or you can stay emotionally devastated and tormented in your life. But I know my Redeemer lives. And I will stand with him on that day. Even though I've gone through torment, and I've gone through hell, and I've gone through darkness, and I've gone through devastation on this earth, I know my Redeemer lives. I can't change the past, but Jesus did. I don't know all the future, but I know that if I will stay planted where he has me, and not scratch the itch to try to get everywhere else, and get contentment and happiness... From everywhere else, I'll bloom right here in this desert road, right where I'm at. I'll bloom right here on 535 Denmark-Jackson Road, Denmark-Tennessee 38391, where nobody sees me, where nobody knows where I go. Nobody knows this, the uh, the curtains I got to put up and the chairs I got to set out and the spills I got to mop. Nobody sees it. Nobody knows it. Unless they happen to type in the right words on the internet like some folks have. So thank you for that. It's all about, God, where do you want? Go? You got me in this? Then you're going to finish what you started. I'm not going to bail on you. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to try to control it. I'm just going to let you steward this soul of mine and create out of it. What Paul got out in Philippians 3 from a jail cell, he tells us, Hey, I haven't arrived, I haven't achieved, I haven't finished. But here's what I do from a jail cell, I'm writing to you, I forget what lies behind me, and I press on to what is in front of me. From a jail cell, I will press on, and I will obtain the prize that is in Christ Jesus. Can you stand to your feet? I went way over my time. Is that goodness of God? Oh, I love that song. Would you just sing that as a statement like Mary Magdalene took? She took a stance. And think for a moment. It talks about the faithfulness of God in our life. Think about where you're at. Oftentimes we get what we have. Because we stay. And that doesn't always mean bad or negative. Think about what you could have missed out on had you not stayed. And think about God's faithfulness to see you through it all. And let take these last minute or two. It's not even 12 yet. And connect with the Lord, the heart of God in your life. Amen.